1: mike greenberg the podcast
2: back and better than ever greenie presented by progressive insurance coming up in just a matter of moments i will present absolute proof that today is the best day of the sports year there will be no day like this no matter how long the year goes we're going to start it with a ton of football we got a million things to get into Dominic foxworth is peeing let's do it here we go
1: only one place to start.
2: Looking downfield, throw into the end zone touchdown. C.D. Lamb. And his second touchdown
1: of the day. Winning in home is really one of the boldest formulas in pro football. You I know, mean, if you take care of your home turf, you know, you're going to probably be where you want to be.
2: Those of you watching with us on the ESPN app just saw Dominique come racing in. As it turns out, I needn't have said anything for the radio audience and they'd never have known the difference. Nick had to pee. He's back after we wrap up. Get up, he's here. 4 still comes in handy. We got Bubba and Kanye. The man is fast. I mean, Dominique (laughs) can move like nobody's business. And we just heard the Cowboys there for the Open. I have 8 million places to go with Unique. Let's start there. If there's one thing that Cowboys consistently show, and this sounds like damning with faint praise, but I, I think it shouldn't be. Like, sometimes really good teams play bad games against bad teams, and it's frustrating. They blow out the teams they should blow out, and they blew out the Rams yesterday. The question is when they step up in class. Did you see things from them yesterday that suggest to you they're ready for their showdown in Philly Sunday?
3: Yeah, I think what I saw was nothing new from Dak. It's things that Dak has been capable of doing, but we haven't seen it consistently in this new offense and under Mike McCarthy. is him manipulate defenses with his eyes and him control the game offensively. We saw him do that. We've seen him also in the last couple of weeks Be a lot more athletic and find ways to buy time with his legs and convert third downs with his legs, but also just buy time for CD Lamb to get open and make big plays. That is what they're going to be facing a lot of with the pressure that the Eagles D-line is going to bring. He's going to have to find ways to move around in the pocket and make bad blocks in the good blocks and also buy some time for his receivers to get open.
2: You know, I I know that sometimes we do things differently on television versus radio because we can uh, illustrate it with pictures on TV and and make these more interesting. But I think the two key points that we made on the Cowboys this morning are things we can explain to the radio audience. One We have questioned the way they have used C.D. Lamb all year. Mm -hmm. They used him differently yesterday, and he came up with a huge performance. How would you explain the difference?
3: So they isolate him, and Rex was pointing out that they put him at the X receiver. The X receiver is normally on the weak side of the formation by himself. The reason why that matters is if you put two or three receivers on the other side, and you're playing a team that plays a lot of zone, which a lot of football teams do in modern football, then in order to double-team the isolated receiver, you have to bring someone away from the group. If you put CD in a slot, which is where they always put him, there's always going to be someone over top of him, and then there's a safety right there also, so you cannot force the defense to tell on themselves. So in this situation, when he's out there all by himself, you have to declare the double team, immediately and that gives Dak a bunch of information. If you don't declare it immediately then we know we have a single matchup with our best player uh, over there against a corner that he should be able to beat. So I think that movement helped Dak declare the defense before he gets up to the line and a point that I was making today is a lot of the quarterbacks that we think are so smart and Dak's one of them, one of the smartest quarterbacks in football. The reason why we we think they're smart and the reason why we think they process well is because they get good pre-snap reads and they are, they are snapping the ball already Already knowing what they want to do the quarterbacks that struggle that seem like they process slowly are quarterbacks that are trying to read everything in the course of the play and also make decisions that's a lot to ask for any player absolutely and
2: to illustrate the previous point I had made a nice little uh, number that Cam found for us here about how the Cowboys win the games they're supposed to they've won 10 straight home games as a betting favorite so, when they're playing at home and they're supposed to win, they always do. The other quickly piece that we liked was I liked how we showed Micah Parsons okay. lining up right in the middle. Like he's just coming in right over your center. Yeah. Now, was that different this week? Because this team's center is Jason Kelsey.
3: Yeah, I mean, Jason Kelsey's a great center, but it's kind of like from a defensive standpoint. There is really no good defense for a perfect pass or mm-hmm. the rules are in, set up in a way that a receiver is going to win most of the time in football. That's the same thing with a D lineman and a center. As good as Jason Kelsey is, he's not going to be able to block Mysa, Micah Parsons one-on-one for an entire game because no one is. Our best tackles in football will will struggle with that, and the center is normally not the best pa- Pass blocker, that's why he's in there. And Micah is normally smaller than most of the people he's rushing against, which it still it shows how powerful he actually is. But now he's going up against somebody on the inside. The centers are small. The centers are not nearly as quick or as strong as Micah Parsons. So as good as Kelsey is, uh, if they get him isolated, that's a matchup that the Cowboys want.
2: So tomorrow at this time, we'll be having this conversation with Jeff Saturday, Ooh. who is near and dear to you.
3: <laughs> Love that guy. So
2: if it were said in front of him... The center is usually the worst pass blocker. Will he have any issue with that, or will he say, yeah, that's true? Knowing you...
3: It will be said in front of him. You said if, but yeah. I, now I no, know. No, look, I, I'm going to say
2: it at yeah. the beginning of our meeting tomorrow. That's coming
3: out at 6.01. Uh, all right. Give me extra security. I hope Marcus is going to be there also. Um, I think that Jeff would be lying if he said no. The center is the best pass blocker. It's normally the left tackle. So, yeah. Jeff knows that he don't want none of Micah Parsons isolated. All
2: right. L- let me very quickly do with you. Dominique Foxworth in studio here. The hashtag crew is ready. Uh, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance Visit Progressive.com. San Francisco's lost three straight games. Cowboys look great yesterday. Eagles, tough win against Washington. That's always a hard matchup for them. They found a way to win. Lions tonight. Right now, give me the pecking order in the NFC. Those are the – well, unless you yeah. want to put Seattle in there. Yeah. Who are the best um, teams in the NFC? Well,
3: I think it's the Eagles, and I would are have – one. Yeah, the Eagles are one, and I would have a collection of everyone else right there. I could be convinced anyone – I guess i go Cowboys next because of the, the reverence I have for Dak Prescott.
0: The Eagles one, Hembo? Yeah, Eagles are one. Vegas actually says still San Francisco's one. I'm looking at the odds on Caesar oh, wow. Sportsbook right now. The 49ers are plus 220 to win the conference. The Eagles are plus 230, and then the Cowboys are plus 430, which is a little bit surprising given the fact that these two teams play next week and given the fact that San Francisco has lost three consecutive games.
2: All right, Greeny and the crew and Nick here. We're live from the Seaport, brought to you by Grey Goose. I've held off as long as I could um, talking about the game between the Jets and the Giants. Yesterday, a game that featured 24 punts, a game in which the Giants had minus nine passing yards, and it went to overtime on a in a monsoon. I, by now, most people listening know exactly what happened in the game. I really haven't been able to make up my own mind how to feel about it. You and, and Orlovsky had a pretty good debate this morning on how well Zach Wilson played. Dan tends to – this is not a criticism. He looks at everything from the quarterback's perspective. Right. Understandably, he was a quarterback. He was quite defensive of the performance of the Jets quarterback yesterday. You can't give, I mean, the the Giants quarterback had no chance. It was Tommy DeVito. Um, Might as well have been Danny DeVito. They weren't going to throw a pass no matter what happened. Um, How should I feel coming out of that game?
3: You should be happy that you got the win. Yeah. Calling Dan defensive is inaccurate. Dan was delusional. <laughs> okay. Like, that was a different yeah. thing. It's like he wasn't – no one was attacking Zach Wilson. He was trying to prop Zach Wilson up as if he was great in a game where he had a QBR of 36. Like, that's objectively bad. The, his best play of the day was a check down to Brees Hall, and or his biggest play. He made a couple good throws which he is capable of doing. But this was not a game that he played well enough for them to win in. like They won, as you pointed out on the show, because Brian Dayball made a series of very confusing decisions to put them in a situation where he then had an opportunity to make those two great passes to set up the tie and then, uh, I guess, intentionally underthrown ball to get a pass interference. I just didn't want to get carried away. And I think Zach is good for Zach. But we have to understand that we're grading him on the Zach Wilson curve.
2: I think that's right. You said that. You said just add the qualifier for him. Yeah. And Dan wasn't willing to do it. <laughs> he said he's very good. What? And that's. I mean, I've said it forever. We we treat Zach Wilson sometimes like he's your kid playing AAU basketball, right. like you know when they're like seven years old yeah. and no one can throw the ball in. Yeah. When it goes in, you're like, oh yes, right. look at that. Um, but 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 those aren't real <laughs> expectations for an NFL quarterback. I mean, I don't I don't. I'm going to spend a lot of this day trying to make up my own mind because when it's it's so different when you win. Yeah. Like I was so angry yeah. through most of that game and had, of course, as everyone did, given up. Uh, Brian Dayball just handed the Jets that game on a silver platter. Um, I had thoroughly given up and was disgusted beyond belief and trying to figure out what I was going to say today. And then when your team wins, it, it just changes, obvi- for obvious reasons, all of that. So... And Hembo, we're going to spend a lot of this day trying to figure out how I should feel about
0: it. Well, here's the thing. Like, for, for Zach Wilson, no, he did not play well by any standard. Maybe even not by his standard. But for the longest time, all we talked about with Zach Wilson was protecting the football. Mm-hmm. And Zach Wilson has only thrown one, or, one interception in 170 passes over his last five games. So if we're actually going to abide by the make sure that the possession ends with a kick rule which we were talking about early in the season, he actually has done that pretty well. I understand
2: that. And I, Tommy DeVito didn't throw an interception yesterday either. And I'm, I'm not, the, 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 the point of that is they're coaching so conservatively, yeah. so carefully. Take yesterday out because it was rainy and all that. And they, uh, in, in his and their defense. I mean, losing all of those linemen is, is oh, yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. And at one point, I was, at, is this about the turf? I mean, the injuries were horrendous in that game. But
3: forgetting all of that, um I think the way you should feel about it is based is when you take out that particular play at the end yeah. that allowed them to get the field goal how do you feel about how he played that's how you should feel like <laughs> that's how you should feel about your future with him I have seen nothing that uh, that suggests that they are going to be good enough to make the playoffs. Yeah, the
2: future is not with him, yeah. except for in the short term. Right. The, the, the future in the short term. The Jets' hopes of a, of accomplishing anything of consequence this year ride completely exactly. on Aaron Rodgers' ability to come back and play. If he can't, then the Jets are certainly not a Super Bowl team, um, which otherwise I think they would be. Which is breaks my heart uh-huh. because otherwise it would be so good. Very quickly, I want to get one more thing in with you. Watching them play yesterday and watching their quarterback play yesterday, I found myself thinking, I'm going to make a statement. I think if you told me right now, I have to pick the team from the AFC that is going to wind up in the Super Bowl, and you gave me any team to choose from, I would take Cincinnati. Am I crazy?
3: You're not crazy. I mean, especially after what we saw yesterday. Joe Burrow, early in that game, made some passes that I was like, wow. Just impressive, mind-blowing passes. And he's not the guy of all of these young, talented quarterbacks. He's not the guy with the arm that's supposed to get your attention, but he made some throws. He's the guy who we call Joe Cool, who make, who makes the right decisions. Mm-hmm. He's not, he's very much in the mold of Joe Montana, whom they referenced a bunch of times in the, uh, in the, the game yesterday. So the way that he was playing yesterday with a healthy T Higgins and Jamar Chase, that offense is dangerous. He's one of those quarterbacks that uh, can buy time with his legs and he there's like a a psychic advantage that comes from seeing him play that well that I think means something psychologically to that defense they play better when he's playing well everyone plays a little better when you look over and the leader is out there leading doing all the cool stuff that Joe Burrow always does he is the guy that you of just about anybody including Patrick Mahomes that you look out there like damn the the team draws so much energy from him being there and how well he plays, and he did it.
0: What, what do the numbers say about Cincinnati, Hembo? Well, oddly enough, they've already swept the NFC West this season, <laughs> but they've already banked two losses within yeah. their own division. The game against Buffalo on Sunday night is game of the year potential, right? I think we'll learn a lot about this team in, in terms of how they perform against that team. Mm-hmm. I'm still not ready to say, though, that they're the favorite in that division. I think Baltimore yeah. still has a leg up. I think, like, bell to bell, Baltimore's been... Better on both sides of the yeah. ball. And, those, and the only two losses that they have are games that they probably should have won. <laughs> so I'm, I'm with you. Like, the Bengals are going to be live when it comes to the AFC playoff picture. Which I don't know that I would have said a month ago, but they're not going to win the. I, I don't think that we should be considered the favorites to win the AFC. No, nah, like. I, I think that
3: they are. They're going to be the team nobody wants to play, to steal a football cliche. They're going to be a team that comes, and that's who they kind of always are slow starters, uh, then come on late, and we're like, oh, nobody wants to see that team. But you're right. Baltimore has a ceiling offensively mm-hmm. that they've never had really uh, in this run, and that they've reached in a defense that's playing better than the talent suggests that it should. So, yeah, I think Baltimore is probably the leader. Uh, especially given that Kansas City lost. They might be the leader in the whole conference right now.
2: Nick, thank you for a special Monday. What did you think of the Monday dynamic on oh, Get Up?
3: I love it. It's fun. It's easy. It's, it's, so, it's
2: the easiest show in that we just have one game after another. It's like a an endless array of things to talk about. You were terrific today. Thank, thank you. you. We'll see you back in Better Than Ever tomorrow. Absolutely. By the way, your chance, as always, be a part of Greeny Nation is the Dr. Pepper call-in line, ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. My takes are coming up next, and I'll explain without any question why today is the best day of the sports year. That's next on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by.
3: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: Greeny, the podcast.
2: All right, Greeny, with you on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. In 30 seconds, I'll explain why today is the best sports day of the year. That's after this word from Granger. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. The Scoop. Did you know that today is the only day in 2023 where all four major U.S. sports leagues The NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, and the NHL will hold games on the same day. It's the only day this year where you'll be able to see your favorite sport, no matter which of those four your favorite sport is. And did you know that this is only the 29th day in history that that has happened? That is what I meant when I said it's the best sports day of the year. We've only had 29 as of today occasions in which the four sports leagues all had games on the same day good job by the crew putting that in there cam i assume that was you that's a that's a good note there i had
0: not seen that part of it and i really liked i would have thought that it had happened way more times than that i would have guessed a few hundred based on the way this stuff shakes out but i but i guess it makes sense given the way that we do the sporting calendar now but this is a day to love and cherish if you're a sports fan no matter what you like yeah Part of it is that baseball used to end much earlier right? Yeah. and basketball and
2: hockey used to start later. Mm-hmm. I, I used to say I have counted. Now, these, these don't count, obviously, but I remember going back to my days in Chicago. I used to make an argument that you should count the weekend of the NFL draft during that during the NFL draft in April. There will be baseball games. There will be hockey games and there will be basketball games. Um, and I used to say the NFL is in action, even though they don't have games. Every team is playing, if you will. So I used to say those days should count. But for the purposes of this, they do not. All right. It was a jam-packed weekend. We have a million things to get into. Let's start with the takes. Greenies takes. All right. I will give you my top five takeaways. And then we will hear from the assembled members of the hashtag crew. Again, Cam is here. is here. And Hembo is ready to go. Number five. I believe the Bengals are going to win the AFC. I don't know that they're going to win the division, but I believe the Bengals are going to win the AFC. When you ask me who I trust, I trust them. I don't see exactly what they're missing. They got off to a slow start. Back-to-back years. Both times. Same reason. Quarterback hurt. Two years ago, was it what, an appendix or something like that? And he missed basically all of preseason and... He looked bad when the season regular season started because he hadn't practiced and hadn't played. Same thing this time with that calf. But what we all occasionally forget is just how long an NFL season is. Three losses early are bad, but at the end of the day, there's still only three losses. So they're right in the thick of everything. You made the point earlier, Hembo, and I don't necessarily disagree. The Ravens may still have the inside track to win the division. But I've seen Joe Burrow win playoff games in Buffalo. I've seen him win them in Kansas City. I like right now, this minute, forget who wins the division. If, if I told you you have no choice, you have to bet an amount of money that matters to you, Hembo, mm-hmm. on who is going to wind up in the Super Bowl from the AFC, who would you take? I'm
0: still going to take Kansas City. But right now, if you do like Cincinnati, you can play them at 9-1. to And if, if you like them out there as much as Greeny does... That's an excellent value, especially for a team that has a Hall of Fame quarterback that we've seen do this every single year. How many teams are ahead of them? Uh, four teams, including Miami, Buffalo, and Baltimore. Right at nine to one, they're tied with Jacksonville, another team that I like a lot. I like them. I like them both
2: better than Buffalo and Miami. Starting to have my doubts. Well, let's do a hashtag crew on this quickly, Cam. If I told you right now, you have to pick the AFC champion right now, who you got?
0: Still taking the Chiefs. They have a game like this every year, and I think they're going to bounce back easily. Yeah,
2: my, my, my concern isn't about yesterday, but I understand what you're saying. Bubs? I'm going with the Chiefs as well. I told you, we got three Kansas cities, and I'm the only dope on the Bengals. Bubba wearing the Dak jersey with pride today. Number four. Take number four. The, Cow- the Cowboys and Dolphins have this in common. They both need to prove it, and this weekend they will both get the chance. This coming weekend, we've got, I mean, arguably the three best games of the year. We've got Cowboys-Eagles for the first of two. We have Kansas City-Miami. That game is in Frankfurt. And we have Buffalo-Cincinnati. The Cowboys and Dolphins, I think, are teams that need to prove they can step up in class and do it. A great deal has been made about how the Dolphins haven't beaten a team with a winning record since, like, last October or something like that. And so, yeah, they look good again yesterday at home against New England. That was a, a spot where you expect them to look good. It wasn't a walk in the park. And New England has righted the ship a little bit. Cowboys obliterate the Rams yesterday. Duron Bland, unimaginably, has three pick sixes already. We're still in October. So the defense looks great, but let's see it against Philly. Do you agree with my take? The Cowboys and Dolphins are the teams that still have something to prove And have the chance this weekend to do it.
0: No question about it. They're one of these, you know, like power five stud teams in college football that beat all the directional schools by forty points, and then they lose to LSU and to Texas A and M. Right? That's how that's how they feel. Miami has the lowest strength of victory of all the teams in the AFC. The Cowboys, meanwhile, have outscored their opponent by seventy eight points at home, but they've been outscored in four road games, and they're coming to Philly, which is one of the most difficult environments in which to play on the road in the whole sport.
2: All right, so uh, we agree with that. We see if those two teams uh, can gain a little bit of the confidence of the public uh, this week. Number three. Speaking of one of the teams involved this weekend, there's one thing that I think has been definitively proven. It's that the Chiefs miss Taylor Swift. They play better when she's there. Do I know that there's any cause and effect? I guess not. But do you not think there's a little extra excitement for them knowing that she's there? Like, it's certainly more exciting for everybody else. They played a terrible game in Denver yesterday. Just terrible. I don't want to hear people tell me how much better Denver's defense has gotten. They aren't that far removed from giving up 70 points in a game. The the break I'm willing to cut, the slack I'm willing to cut Kansas City 100% is that Mahomes was sick. He had the flu. They said it before the game started. And and he didn't look like himself, and his receivers can't catch anything. I mean, he have, he has the flu, and his receivers can't catch a cold. Uh, Rasheed Rice with a ridiculous drop. Sky Moore with a ridiculous drop. But when Travis Kelsey doesn't have one of these games, if, if Kelsey doesn't have, like, 11 catches for 134 yards, their offense just doesn't look that dangerous. So I guess I'm kidding when I say they miss Taylor Swift. But... I know they have this day every year. I don't want to overreact to it, but I kind
0: of am anyway. What do you say, Hembo? So if you're wondering how many points Taylor Swift is worth to the Chiefs, I've done this research for you. So in the four games in which she has attended, Kansas City is 4-0. They average 28.5 points in those games. When she does not attend, Kansas City is 2-2, and and they average 18.3 points. So Taylor Swift, by herself, is worth 10.2 points for the Kansas City Chiefs. That, and, and you know what?
2: That is such good research. People will mock it. But it actually made my point better than I did. They play better when she's there. She's going back on tour. They may have to convince her not mm-hmm. to. Can she fly in for playoff games? Can they get her in? I think the Eras tour goes to overseas now.
0: Yeah, it does. I I'm think, almost positive she's going overseas. Argentina. Get her to Germany spot. this weekend. Get her to Germany. That's exactly right.
1: Well, I, I might want to change play. my pick now. I don't think I want to take the Chiefs anymore. <laughs> if she's not going to be in any of these
2: games, I might go Bengals now. Yeah, we're in trouble. See, I feel like you're being snide, gentlemen. Uh, I'm do not. i being serious. I do not think you should be snide when it comes to the significance of tay Number two. Number, how, how good do you feel for Will Levis? You know, doing the draft has... Um, I, mean, I love that event. As, uh, the hosting of the NFL draft for us at ESPN, it's, it's my favorite two days of the year. It's my favorite assignment of the year. And so I'm more attuned to it than maybe I ever otherwise would be. But watching the process of Will Levis' stock drop through last year, because I started paying attention to these things the year before. When Will Levis, had the season, had last season not been played, I think Will Levis would have been the number one pick in the NFL draft. Had they not played a season, he would have gone ahead of Bryce Young. He would have gone ahead of C.J. Stroud. He would have got, certainly would have gone ahead of Anthony Richardson. Then last season gets played. He's on a bad team. He gets beat up. He hangs in there. He winds up dropping to the second round. So I always have felt all along like he had, in the right circumstance, the potential to be as good as any of the quarterbacks in this year's class. And I know it's only one game. But that was
0: quite a debut. Oh, my goodness. If you squint hard enough, you can see a little bit of Justin Herbert because he just has tools coming out of his ears. If you had merely swapped his junior and senior seasons, I think you're 100% right. He would have been the first pick in the whole country. He's got an absolute bazooka. He runs the ball effectively. You could you could see yesterday just in, in, a, in, a, in a shot, like just all of a sudden that offense opened up in ways it never had before. He threw four touchdowns. Three of which travel more than 30 yards in the air. There's no quarterback, no rookie quarterback or otherwise, that did that in any game this season. At minimum, he showed that he looks the part, and I'd be awfully happy if I was waking up this morning as a fan of that team, because I might have a quarterback, and I didn't know that one week ago. Here's some good trivia for you, by the way.
2: Will Levis became the third quarterback ever with four passing touchdowns in their first career game. Third quarterback ever. I would definitely not have gotten the first one. I think I remember the second one just because we were doing the show and I remember this happening. The two quarterbacks who did it were Fran Tarkenton in 1961 and Marcus Mariota. I sort of remember the Mariota game because he played against Jameis. If I remember correctly, that was the first pick against the second pick in the first week of the season, and Mariota played great. Um, But so anyway, Fran Tarkenton, Marcus Mariota, and now Will Levis are the only players in NFL history with four passing touchdowns in their first career game. Number one. Number one, and we just lose the music. We'll, We'll just try and decipher Jets Giants. It was a weird day for me in every way yesterday. So Jets Giants, something happened yesterday that had literally never happened in my life. In my life. And I really didn't know how I would handle it. So my daughter, Nikki, has a boyfriend. Terrific kid. I've told you about him before. Jake Boxer. I, li- I like the kid a lot. They've been together two years. I, I really like him. He is uh, from New York City. Uh, they met in college in Evanston, Illinois. He is a diehard, and I mean, having experienced it yesterday, every bit as passionate as I am, if not more, fan of the New York Giants. So she brought him over to watch the game yesterday. And so I it was the first time in my life that I've ever watched a jet game in my own home where someone was rooting for the other team. I don't allow it. But, you know, I couldn't say to Nikki, you can't bring him over to my ha to our apartment. She doesn't live with me anymore to be clear. Nikki lives in her own apartment. But she was like, "Dad, Jake and I'll come over. I thought it would be fun watch the Jets and the Giants together." So, I, you know, I wasn't going to say no to that. Anyway, it made me, you can see these pictures. I've got them up all over the place. They're on Twitter, Instagram, at ESPN Greeny. Greeny with a Y uh, of, 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 uh, on Twitter and Instagram at ESPN Greeny. I actually reposted Stace's uh, pictures. He wore his Eli Manning jersey over to the house, and I wore my Aaron Rodgers jersey, and we watched the game together. So right off the bat, it's a weird day. Like, I'm trying to to maintain some semblance of composure, and he's more emotional about the game than even I am. So, we're going back in all of that. And then at some point, the two of us both gave up. I mean, we both recognized this was a game that no one deserved to win. All of us lost. We are all just, we are all the worse for having watched that game. There were 24 punts. The Giants had negative nine passing yards and were 20 seconds away from winning. The Giants coach made some of the most confusing decisions I've ever seen in my entire life. The Jets offense, again, on a day in which their defense held the other team to negative passing yardage, were 25 seconds away from losing, and then they wound up winning on a couple of miracle plays, and and you all saw what happened. But I really can't make up my mind how to feel about this. I don't know what to say. We were so bad so bad that I literally, stays took my phone away because if I had tweeted any of the things that I said aloud in the room, it would not have been okay. So she was like, I'm taking the phone away if you're going to keep acting like this. And, and thankfully, you know, and she did. And so I, like fair is fair. I didn't even take the phone back. I don't want to be like a fair weather tweeter. You know, we came back, we won the game. And obviously that's good news. Obviously I'm happy. I don't know. Bubba, did you watch that game? Now, the Cowboys were on at the same time. Yeah, and, then,
1: so, and actually, because the Patriots were on in Connecticut, so I, I couldn't even flip back to it. So I, I saw some of the highlights after, but I, didn't, I wasn't what able to watch that. What did they the show
2: life. as highlights? Like, Basically, when you say the- highlights. Morstead was awesome. <laughs> Thomas Morstead.
1: Yeah, they showed all the punts. The
2: punter of the Jets. He punted 11 times in the game yesterday. It was the best punting performance I've ever seen in my entire life. It genuinely was. It was a punting clinic. It was a masterpiece of punting, and that's not a game anyone has ever said, I'm dying to watch a, with all due respect to my buddy McAfee, no one has ever said, boy, I hope we got a punting clinic today, but it was a brilliantly punted game. I will say that. The punting was brilliant Uh, on both sides. The Giant punter was good, too. It was incredible. There were 34 possessions in the game. There were 24 punts. The other ten included two missed field goals and a turnover on downs. They, they, they were they were some of the worst. Uh, it was it was the worst game of its. I've never seen a game like that, and I sincerely hope I never do again. And yet the Jets won, and they find themselves at four and three. So I can't make up my own mind how I should feel about this game. Help me. Twenty four punts,
0: twenty three points. The game needs to be remembered, like forever. Like this needs to be put up in some kind of Hall of Fame, obviously irreverently. You should feel great. Your team is four and three. It has no business being four and three. That's how you should feel. I like playing the if I had told you before the season started game. And if I had told you before the season started that Aaron Rodgers would play one drive and you'd be four and three, how'd you feel? Oh, incredibly good. Feel? Yes, if you
2: had told me when they were 1-3 after losing that tough game against Kansas City that it looked like they were getting a little better, they're going to win three in a row from here? Of course, I would have been
0: overjoyed. Well, that's, Well, that's the thing because, yes, Zach Wilson played a bad game as Zach Wilson plays, but all you can ask for when you're dealing with a quarterback that would otherwise be remembered as a bust, is give me a chance to win each game. Because there were times last year and the year before that Zach Wilson gave you no chance. So the mere fact that Zach Wilson had the ball in his hands at the end of the game with a chance to do something is something. Mm. And the fact that you're 4-3, and three, you should feel awfully good, given the fact that Aaron Rodgers is somehow out there throwing passes with a torn Achilles two months after it happened. I, I, there's something else I have to say, and I... And I texted Nuno, and I said, you
2: got to come on today, and he's going to come on off the top of the next hour from a giant fan's perspective. And I sat and I watched this poor kid, Jake, my daughter's boyfriend, agonizing as this was happening. The decision to take the ball at the beginning of overtime is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen a coach do in, in my entire life of watching football. You have already acknowledged you can't play offense. Your only chance of winning this game is kicking the ball off deep and getting great field position, getting one turnover and kicking a field goal. That's the only chance you have to win the game. I know your kicker has missed two kicks, but still, literally the only chance they had to win that game. Taking the ball was the, when, when, when the Giants won the coin toss, my rich, I immediately yelled an expletive that I can't say in the room because the Jets are going to wind up getting the ball. It's the last thing in the world I wanted. Was for the No one should have had the ball in this game. You definitively want to have your defense on the field. Your chance of scoring was way better with your defense on the field. So Dayball did some things yesterday I still can't believe. Anyway, we'll get uh, Nuno's thoughts on that as we continue. I got a million things in the hopper here. Great stats. By the way, it's the first time since week one that all of the Hashtag Crew teams won. Hembo's and Cam's uh, Eagles win. Bubba's Cowboys win. My Jets win. I gave you a trivia question earlier. Hembo, give us one right now.
0: The opposite of my get up trivia question today with Eagles and Cowboys week looming. Who is the losingest, the losingest quarterback in the history of the Cowboys Eagles rivalry? No, oh, we had it on TV.
2: Roger Starback won the most Cowboys Eagles games. Who lost the most? The answer next on ESPN Radio.
3: This podcast is proud to be supported
1: by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Greeny, the podcast.
2: All right, Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio. And I want to mention there are all sorts of ways that you can make us part of your day if you so choose. And if you do, we endlessly appreciate it. We'd love you to listen to all two hours of our show every single day. But if you miss any, you can catch up on both hours in the Greeny podcast, which is available every day, wherever you get your podcasts that uh, we're also available for viewing on the ESPN app. Just click on watch, look for hashtag Greeny and we hope you will enjoy. And no matter where you are, you can listen on the ESPN app or Sirius XM channel 80. Having said all of that. Wow. OK, and how are your trivia skills? This
1: is Sneaky Hembo Trivia.
2: Regular sneaky or extra sneaky? All right, I believe I'm in last place every single day. Hembo brings us a trivia question. It's not the same one from TV, and the three of us go head-to-head on it, and I think I'm in last, so I'm going to go first today because I feel very confident of my pick. Um, the, the question on TV today, which I really liked, was who is the winningest starting quarterback in the history of the Cowboys-Eagles rivalry? And the answer was Roger Staubach. And that was the logic that I used to give my answer, which is to say that most of the time that Roger Staubach was the quarterback of the Cowboys, Ron Jaworski was the quarterback of the Eagles. He would quarterback there a long time, long enough that they, because they won a number of games, but they were never as good, generally speaking, not nearly as good as the Cowboys. And I think he was there enough long enough to have lost a lot of games the quarterbacks who've played that number of games for the Eagles McNabb would certainly be the other one so for me it was between the two of them and I decided to go with Jaworski that's my answer Bubba what's yours um I'm gonna go
1: Tony Romo
2: Tony Romo so that's a vote on the sadly Cowboys. not happy about it side Cam I'm going with Jaws as well Greeny so we got two Jaws and a Romo and Hembo, the correct answer. The correct answer is
0: Ron Jaworski. Yes. Oh yeah, baby. Ron Jaworski lost. That is us. Ron Jaworski lost thirteen games to the Cowboys. Although there thirteen games to the Cowboys as the Eagles starting quarterback. Uh, Who else was close? Troy Aikman had eleven. Donovan McNabb had nine. Tony Romo only had six, Bubba, so you must remember those six losses. Very fine. Mean, they
2: had
1: some bad ones, but
0: but only oh. six of them. All right, so Cam, where's the standings? Yeah. I am 9-15. and 15. Bubba is 6-18, and 18, as are you. Brandon, no guess from him today. He's 0-3. Mm. And, and Mark Cuban and Dominique Foxworth are 0-1. Now,
2: oh, Brandon didn't get a chance to guess because we got the wrong sandwich. He's dealing with sandwich gate. We're Much got, more important. We've we got major issues. Oh, my God. Brandon always gets lunch. They sent the right soup, but the wrong sandwich. So I've enjoyed the soup, but I usually like to eat the sandwich first. So we're all thrown off
0: on I that. hate to interrupt your digression, but I do want to make a, a point about the Eagles and Cowboys, if you don't mind.
2: Actually, you, you've mentioned to me what this is, and I think it is fascinating. Make the point.
0: This is really important. So Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott have been evading each other, each being sort of injured in recent matchups. They've only matched up once in their entire careers, oddly enough, in like seven chances. The Eagles host the Cowboys next week. Jalen Hurts coming off a game in which he ran the ball four times for six yards, his fewest ever as a starter, very clearly hobbled and banged up. About half the sports books in Vegas, Greeny, have not yet posted a line for this game. Very peculiar to me, because obviously every other game next week has a point spread. This game at Caesar Sportsbook, which is our homebook here at ESPN right now, has no point spread. So I think Jalen Hurts' injury to his knee... That injury is is something that could loom large and is definitely something worth watching this week because if it were not a major concern, there is no way there would not be a line posted for this game.
2: And the places that do have lines up, I'm just going to guess, to me, this feels like it's got to be Eagles at home, Eagles minus something in the neighborhood of four and a half points.
0: It's Eagles minus three, which is probably a little bit built into the fact that the the analytics like Cow- the Cowboys, a little bit more than the public does, and also hedging for the fact that Jalen Hurts might not either play or be 100%. All
2: right, so there you have it. Obviously, we, we told you there were three great games this weekend. You got Buffalo, Cincinnati. You got Dallas, Philly. You got Miami, Kansas City. That one is in Germany. So it's a Sunday morning game on ESPN. L- let me then figure out or start the process. We have all week to figure it out. We got Bubba today wearing the Dak Prescott jersey. We got Cam and Hembo, who are diehard Eagles fans. The question is, what is the wager that we are going to see between these members of the hashtag crew on this massive showdown game on Sunday? I'm I'm open to hearing the beginning of some suggestions. Cam, what should be at stake here?
0: I mean, we always go with the jersey. The problem is, I do not have an Eagles jersey. I have an Eagles t-shirt. I think that would honestly look even funnier on Bubba than an Eagles jersey. So, I'm willing to do the jersey swap thing, but if we want to come up is, yeah, with something more more creative, that's requires something
2: bigger than the than the, the jersey swap. Like Jets Eagles was a jersey swap. Hembo had to sadly mm-hmm. wear the Sauce Gardner jersey, but this is a huge showdown rivalry game with everything at stake. I feel like there should be more. Yeah, it's game of stake. the
0: year potential. The other uh, wrinkle here is that there are two Eagles fans just above us. So, like do we have to do half as much? Does he have to do twice as much? There, there, are, there are factors to consider as we bang this out throughout the week. So what would make a good bet that could be split that way? I'd love to hear Bubba sing something, to be honest with you. I, I really would. Where did that the, come from? Where's the singing voice, Bubbs? Mm-hmm. Uh, How is
1: poor, it?
2: Poor to very poor. I think that would be fun. I, I'd one. like to hear it. Sing Fly Eagles yes, Fly. That's that great. Be-
0: and it's a nice it's a nice short song, so it's not gonna you know it's not gonna be a three minute ballad on, on the radio. I think Fly Eagles Fly is very appropriate after the Eagles win on Sunday. And
2: the two of you could sing something like Mamas Don't Let Your yeah. Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys <laughs> if you lose. Or I am old enough to remember a song called Rhinestone Cowboy. There are obviously <laughs> a lot of songs that have the word cowboy in mm-hmm. them. So okay, that's Mama not bad. Can um not not bad thinking. Are we right, we're gonna get Nuno in here off the top of the hour, and obviously we will be pretty much wall to wall football today. I did want to take one moment, this is an aside that normally we would not make, but this felt enormous this weekend. To uh acknowledge and express sympathy over the passing of Matthew Perry, one of the stars of the, the TV show Friends, which I, I think is I don't know how you would measure something like this. It, it it's gotta be about as popular a television show as there has ever been. It has found an entirely new audience. I obviously am old enough to remember it when it was popular on NBC. But my children are diehard fans of Friends because they watch it's either on Netflix or one of the other services. And so they know every line of dialogue to every episode. That show is so iconic. The character he played was so iconic. I actually read his book last year. Um, It made me sad. He was a very, very tortured person and, and well documented. And the book was all about his struggles with addiction. Um, and yet, for some reason, even I, who am not a particular fan of that show, it hit me hard when I saw that news come across on Saturday night. I was really stunned.
0: Yeah, me too. Um, super your sad. wife is a crazy fan. She right? watches. Yeah, she watches. She's watched the show many times over, and that's probably, that's how I've been exposed to the show, and I've actually learned to like it a lot. I was really struck by. The, so after he passed, I, I saw posted on Instagram the last interview he ever did, in which he said, "I want people to understand that they're not alone." that there are other people feeling exactly the way they're feeling, that their behavior is not insane, that they have a disease, and it's not their fault. And that really struck me because it's really powerful. And as a person who has sort of obviously lived with so many demons as he did, that's an awfully powerful thing to say. And for that to be the last thing he ever says is really quite something. Yeah,
2: yeah really something. So rest in peace, Matthew Perry. Thank you for the laughs. And our thoughts are with his family and the rest of the members of that cast. We'll be right back.